All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back on a positive Friday. Sports 1440 coming to you live. The uh, 45th annual John Reed Memorial Tournament with uh, some of the best U15 players in the country. Uh, as far east, you got Toronto teams here. you got some American teams here. It's great. I would highly, uh, if you haven't come down yet, I would, I'd highly recommend stopping in. If you want to see some great hockey, man, you get into the playoffs uh, on the weekend into the final, it is unreal. And there is the, you know what, if you're a, if you're a hockey buff who just, you know, you'll run into lots of former players or some who are dads now, uh, some who are working for organizations, some are actually coaching the team. So it's a, it's a good time. Craig Button's coming up at uh, 420 today. We got Spec at 5. Uh, LT will be by. Uh, lots more uh, hockey talk. Uh, I do got get to got some interesting uh, text that we're going to get to at um, 833-401-1440. Hey, guys, is it really that hard of a schedule in the League of Parity? It's all about how you show up to play, whether it's San Jose or Winnipeg. Three of the orders lost came to Tethan's lead in the league that nobody even picked to make the playoffs. The orders had like two back-to-backs. When they have an easy schedule, it matters less who you're playing. Who of their 13 teams would you expect to be the Stanley Cup favorite from Tim? Well, here's a few things I will say. I don't think back-to-backs are the only way to gauge tough games. Right? Uh, if it was, then, because first of all, there's no backs-to-backs in the playoffs. Very, or I shouldn't say there is. There's very, very few. Right? Number one. Uh, number two... Uh, some of the back-to-backs, especially when it's afternoon games, Strutty's talked about it lots. He goes, man, you, you love it. Playing the afternoon, uh, you know what, even if you're if you're on the road, the game's over at 3, you fly to the next city, you're, you know, you're there, you have dinner, you're in bed at 10 o'clock. It's not hard at all. But to me, when you look at, if you play Florida, Carolina, Winnipeg, or I play Anaheim, San Jose, Chicago. I don't care how many days rest I have. I think the first three games are way harder than the last three games. So I do think, well, we say there's parity. The bottom ten teams are still clearly worse than everybody else. Now, that doesn't mean you beat them all the time. That's fair. But there's a significant gap. And Edmonton, 
their schedule now January is actually very light because of games played, but also who they're playing. And so far, they're seven for seven. You got to take advantage of it, which they've done. But if you actually look at the orders up until December thirty first, they actually had one of the most difficult strength of schedules based on the top teams they played. Right? They played Vancouver three times. They played Carolina twice. Florida twice. Tampa Bay twice. Uh, the Rangers you, twice. You, you go down the list. They played a lot of the top teams. And starting January 1st, the orders 41% of their final games were against the bottom 10 teams in the league. Not just teams out of the playoffs, the bottom 10 teams in the league. That's a significant advantage if you use it to your advantage. And so far, they have. Not every game's a Picasso, but they beat Montreal. They beat Chicago, right? I assume they're going to beat Columbus and Chicago next week. Then you have some of the middle games, like they beat Toronto, they beat the Rangers, they beat the Devils. So they beat some some good teams. They beat L.A., right? They spanked Anaheim, as they should. So I, I'm one who I do think there's there's something to strength of schedule. And I actually think, like, the third game in four nights is is a bigger disadvantage sometimes than playing t- the team on the second half of a back-to-back, if you look at the stats over the last few years. So uh, that's kind of where I see it. And, you know, the unfortunate part of this schedule is the orders in the Canucks only play once when Edmonton's playing good. I would lo- like, imagine if the orders in the Canucks had three games from February 6th until the end of the season. That'd be awesome. The Canucks are good. The orders are good. You'd want to see that. You know, like Edmonton does play Vegas and L.A. coming out of the uh, the break, which is good. But Vegas and L.A. really haven't been that good for the last two months. And, like, Vegas injuries are a big reason why I still think Vegas is a good team if they get healthy. L.A., I, I was never super sold on L.A. Because I'm not the biggest Dubois fan. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is one of the more inconsistent high-paid players in the NHL. When he's on, is he good? Yes. But how often is he on? And how often is he just meh? So that's my concern with him. And L.A., while they have good center depth, Edmonton still had the two best centers. Right? Deneau's good, sure. But they couldn't beat the orders. And I don't think that getting Dubois and losing other guys was automatically going to make them better. So I'm... Honestly, if I was the Edmonton owners, I'd rather play L.A. over Vegas or Vancouver in the first round. And and honestly, I don't think it's that close, to be honest. Demko, I think he's the best goalie in the division. Now, Stuart Skinner has played exceptionally well, but he doesn't have the long track record yet. And you can't get that until you keep playing. So would I be surprised if Stu Skinner was great in the playoffs? No. But when the playoffs started, I'd still lean to Demko. Now, we'll see Aiden Hill. He played well in his 15 games this year. It was obviously great last year in the postseason. But it's still it's still not a lot of games. It's like a good 25-game run for Aiden Hill. I kind of need to see more. Like, if I say I need to see more from Skinner, I think I'm a hypocrite if I don't say I need to see more from Hill. Demko's been really good. The only time Demko struggled last year was when he was playing hurt. Right, why, you watch. Go watch the last the first two months of last year when he played hurt. Then he had surgery, and then when he came back and he was healthy, look at his numbers. I think he's, that's what makes Vancouver dangerous in the postseason. They obviously have skill. Edmonton can match their skill. But Demko, 
And that's why I think it's important, Edmonton. You get second place, well, even third, but if you get second, you're probably not facing Vancouver. There's a chance they could catch the Canucks, but I, I think it's going to be a, a lot harder for sure. Hey, guys, have you uh, commented on uh, Subban's statements? I don't know if he's just trying to rattle fans from Derek. Well, I don't think it's rattle. If Honestly, if that's what you're doing as an analyst, I think it's lame. But that's just me. And I know that in the U.S., they, they have a different way. Like, look at Skip Bayless. Look at Smith. It's who can yell the loudest and have the hottest take that gets instant reaction, even if it's stupid. Right? Like, what did you have? Mad Dog went on radio. If they lose, I'll quit. Well, guess what? They lost. Did he quit? No. Did I grow my hair and look like an idiot? Yes. Because I'm a big believer. If you're going to say something, then back it up. Don't say, don't say you're going to quit if a team loses just because it's a hot take. But that's, that's U.S. sports radio. And that's what they like, and that's fine. It's just different. I don't, I don't really – I'm not a guy who likes to do that. Like, now, if you're going to say, hey, I think this team's going to win, that's different. It's not like this big hot take. Watch how often it's like, oh, it's all hyperbole in analysis. They're terrible. He's terrible. Right? They're not terrible. Right? And it's like P.K. Subban. Oh, the orders are easy to play against. What the hell is he talking about? Was he talking about last year? Okay, but why would you in January 19th talk about last year? Why the hell would you even talk about October? It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant to the conversation. I've talked about it many times. Look at teams. Their second half of the season is what matters. The first half puts you in a position that you don't have to dominate in the second half. But it doesn't guarantee you success just because you play well in October, November. Oh, well, geez. We were good in October, November, and then we were meh for the next four months. But we're still really good. No. it's not how it works. So Subban, to me, did the American, but he did a lazy analysis, and he claims it's all, well, no, no, I like the team. That's always the lazy, oh, I like the team, but. No. You're still bitter because the orders organization, when you offered them a P, they didn't offer you a PTO. And that's fine, but no, no one's stupid enough not to see through it. Right? Stupid enough not to see through it. So, and when you claim they're easy to play against when they have the second fewest high danger chances allowed in 30 games, the third fewest shots allowed, fourth best goals against average, how can you say they're easy to play against defensively and that they're relying on McDavid? McDavid, in this 12-game winning streak, he had the one game where he was dominant, Philadelphia, no question. In the other 11 games, he has 13 points. Well below his career average. And they're 12-0. and 0. Like, It's a dumb statement because it's factually incorrect. So, like, your opinion's only good to the point you can defend it. And he can't defend his opinion here because it's factually incorrect. It's just that simple. So, I don't, I don't know if, if you do it to rattle people, then I know. I think that's lame, but that's just me. Hey, guys, you think they'd offer a percentage of your organization to dry settle McDavid to try and entice him to resign? Something like an Inter-Miami deal did with Messi from Frithy. Whew. Buddy, I never even thought of that before. Well, I don't even know. Is it allowed? I'd have to look at the CBA. How does that work? Can you be an active player and an owner at the same time? My gut says no, but I don't want to say that 100% because I don't know. 
So, yeah, it's unique. Would Daryl Cates do it? Whew. If you could, I bet you'd consider it. But think, think, of, think about the value of pro sports teams and where they've gone right now. Right? It's ridiculous. Like, look at what Ottawa sold for, for God's sakes. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, uh, even if it's 1%, if you're just giving someone 1%, that's a lot of money to give them, first of all. So, um, I don't think it's allowed. Fairly confident it isn't, but I guess I'll have to double check on that. So, it would make for an interesting conversation if they did. <laughs> uh, when we come back, uh, Craig Button will join us. It's Jason Greger Show, Sports 1440, live on Owners Nation YouTube and Facebook, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. We're on the road today, the uh, Ewell Studio on the road, because, hey, you know, anything can take us anywhere. Uh, for all your electrical wholesale needs, EWEL.ca. Got a lot of texts. Hey, guys, what about Marilyn Mew? Yes, he did it, but that was different CBA, right? So that's that's all I'm saying. Um, there there was no salary cap then. It was it was a very different world. So I don't know, but hey, maybe our next guest knows. Uh, we uh, we get to our big guest of the day, brought to you by the Junior Prospects Hockey League, which of course uh, is a is a new process and wonderful opportunity for you, 14, you 15, and 18 to combine hockey and education. Learn more at Junior Prospect Hockey League. Ca as uh, Craig Button, former NHL GM. And uh, scout ace analyst and scout for uh, TSN joins us. But do you know, because we had the question, I didn't know the answer. My, my gut was like, I don't think so. But they said, could Daryl Cates offer in his negotiation with McDavid and Dreisaitl a small, you know what, I don't care, half percent, whatever, of ownership? Concurrent players have a percentage of ownership at the same time now. Do you know? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a there's a there's an allowance for that in the CBA, but okay. it also counts. But it counts against the salary cap. Oh, there you go. So, so it's not. So people are trying to think: Can they offer? Let, let, let's say Connor McDavid and, and Leon Drysaddle two and a half percent each of the uh, of the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Well, then <laughs> there's a procedure. The go, yep. You go through to evaluate what that 2.5% would be. And if they're getting that, then it becomes part of a, a calculation for what the charge would be on the salary cap. Okay, so uh, that would be pretty high is what I'm guessing based on the recent evaluation of teams. So and junior- so Mario, so I heard you talking about yeah. Mario. So what happened with Mario is that he had signed his contract, but yes. Pittsburgh had no money. So, yeah. Mario, so Mario took back equity in the team. And Boyle, like what Mario did was, he said, "Okay, you can't you can't guarantee me my money. Well, I'll take the potential upside." Well, that upside turned out to be pretty big. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, looking back, that was a that was a very astute move by uh, Marilyn Mew because uh, what he got in that, uh, he was never going to get paid in salary. That's for sure. Not even no. close. Uh, also, uh, just so you know, it's JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. I think I said .ca. It's .com if I didn't say it, but it's .com. Anyway, Craig. Um, the uh, you know there's lots going on right now in the league. The uh, the Edmonton Oilers can become the first team outside of the Eastern Time Zone to win 13 games in a row. It's only ever been Eastern Time Zone teams that have done it. And I was looking just at travel this year, and I know that it's like I wonder how much you think travel is a factor. Like it's hard to win a lot of games, and there's been some great teams in the history of the NHL based outside of the Eastern Time Zone, but they've never been able to win 13 games in a row. How much you think, as a guy who was a GM in Calgary, and you look at Calgary, especially look at Vancouver and LA and those teams, like I looked this year, San Jose travels 88,000 kilometers. 
Detroit travels 45,000. That's a pretty significant difference. Oh, uh, and you think about, like, you know, the Oilers on the 12-game winning streak, and you think about those great Oilers teams, and, you know, they couldn't even do that. Travel's massive. You know, I was talking to Rick Ball, the the uh, play-by-play uh, person for the Calgary Flames, and he told me the, this was last week. They, they came home to play Ottawa, and I think he said they had played uh, seven games in 11 days in four different time zones. Yeah. I, I, if I recall correctly, I could look it up, but I, I'm pretty sure that's what he told me. Now, think about that. That It's hard enough to go and try to win when you're fresh. Now you're traveling. You're in four different time zones, and, 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 and the teams you're playing are good, and they're fired up and everything. So I, I definitely travel makes a big difference. And, you know, and, and, and you're also trying to, at, at so much of the time, you know, you're trying to maximize your home schedule for your your fans and, and, and everything that goes with it. And the other part of this is you got to go and play games on the road. You got to play three and four back to back. And the, and the home teams like Edmonton, just for an example, they don't they, they don't have home games for the most part back to back. But yeah, there's the odd they got to they got to yeah. go play back to back games. It's hard to do. It's it's hard to it's a, it's a hard road, pun intended, to try to to try to put wins like in, in, in consecutive order to this magnitude, and that's why it hasn't been done. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, the uh, the Oilers uh, winners of twelve in a row, Craig. And uh, they're doing it in fashion we've really never seen from this group. Uh, it's 10 consecutive games that they've only allowed two goals or less. Um, they, they've got for the, and 30, and if you extend this, isn't like it's a 12 game heater right now, but this is much longer than that. You know, they're 22 and six in their last 28 games In their last 30 games. They're uh, second fewest high danger chances, third fewest shots, fourth lowest goals against all the while being the second high scoring team. Like, it looks like they figured out finally how to commit to playing sound defense night in and night out. Doesn't mean that every game is going to be that way, but for a long period of time here, they've shown. And then when they do have a breakdown, their goaltender makes a save. Well, you just nailed all the numbers. We can look at what they were before the coaching change and after the coaching change. And and, and it's you were never going to be worried about the Edmonton Order's ability to create offense. But their defensive play was what was – causing all the problems. And I, I believe watching their team play under Chris Knobloch and Paul Coffey is that you watch them play. And, he, and, and the last two games, they fell behind 2-0 in both those games. But they just kept playing. They didn't try to push uh, themselves into positions where they created more vulnerability and the uphill climb became steeper. You know, they beat the uh, Winnipeg Jets the last time the Winnipeg Jets gave up three goals. I think they're on a 20-plus game heater with two or less goals and 34 giving up three or less. That was against the Edmonton North. That game, it was one nothing, And then Darnell Nurse scores a goal. Hellebuck blows it, and it's 1-1. They end up getting a power play goal, <laughs> and it's it's the win. And, and that to me, and I was right in the building in Winnipeg, I believe that was on uh, November 30th. And they showed me that night, okay, they're going to, like the things were in place. All they've done in the time since then, six weeks plus or just about, is they've continued to play that way. I, I believe watching them perform 
that they have ingrained in themselves. We, we don't have to worry about offense, but our commitment to defense and that we are going to be positionally sound. We're going to be structurally uh, like disciplined. That's that, that's where it's at. The, the goaltender, I mean, everybody was ready to uh, goaltend and get him out of here. Darnell Nurse, let's send him somewhere else. You know, what are all the problems? And, and, and so I think that that has been significant for the team. Connor McDavid talked about it in the summer. We have to be better without the puck and defensively. They weren't through 13 games. They have been through 26 or 28 with Chris Knobloch. I think Chris Knobloch and Paul Coffey deserve a tremendous amount of praise and credit for instilling in the team. Because you, you, you can you, you can say, hey, this is how we got to play. But to instill it in the team, to encourage it, to reinforce it for the players to buy in, it, it, it's, it's hand in hand. And the Oilers have done a magnificent job of it. Craig Button joins us. Uh, uh, Yanni Gord, uh, you know, th- that to me I thought was a pretty easy suspension uh, to call. He, his feet left the ice uh, before, before contact. He, he, he jumped up clearly. And, you know, he's frustrated. And I'll say this. Yanni Gord play my team any day, man. I, uh, um, he, is, uh, he is a gamer. Um, he obviously lost his cool uh, in that game, no question. But we really haven't seen a lot of, like, direct – and that was, it, it was in Ekholm's face. He even had the little cut on his chin. You know, it didn't hurt him at all. It didn't look like – but we we really haven't seen that anymore. You know, like the, the blatant kind of direct headshot. Well, and, and, and there's no penalty for jumping at a player. There's a penalty for <laughs> for boarding a player – for making the initial point of contact ahead, which is exactly what Yanni Gore did in that game. I mean, they called it boarding. And the minute I saw it, I said, boy, that's uh, that's the, the initial point of contact was the head. And certainly, uh, you know, there's no rationale. I don't care why he's mad or what happened previous. You can't go and act like that. Yeah. And, and, and the face-off with McDavid, it seemed to have started off the face-off with McDavid. And then it built from there. And, and I got to say this, I didn't get a chance to do it last night on SportsCenter, but I, McDavid went right after Gord after he did that to Echo. You know, you talk about a team bound together and, 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 and in it for each other. I don't think there was any better example of that. And then I loved Echo pointing at Gord in the penalty box. Like, he was basically telling him, like, that is not cool. Yeah. <laughs> and but McDavid stood right in there. He stood right in there. But I, I think it was off the face-off that got the ire. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 uh, but not, not unacceptable. And at, at, at the end of it all, to, to me, it was a situation that merited a suspension. And and, and certainly, uh, the actions of Gord uh, certainly uh, were his and his alone. And I don't care what the rationale is. You can't go do that. Craig uh, Button joins us from uh, TSN. Craig, I think if, if we had to pick one team, I think it would be unanimous across the NHL right now that who is the the biggest positive surprise in the league. I don't. I, I didn't see anybody who had the the uh, Philadelphia Flyers where they're sitting. And and the thing about the Flyers is, you know, a month ago people were like, oh yeah, they'll slow down. Well, now they've just won five in a row. Like they're really showing no signs of of slowing down. What's impressed you most about the Flyers? And if you're the GM, do you have to? Do you look to re-sign Sealer and Walker and, and, or at bare minimum just ride it out and then see what happens after the season? Well, listen, I, I didn't have this for the, for the Philadelphia Flyers. I think John Tortorella has done a fantastic job of 
coaching and teaching the players what it takes to win on a night in, night out. But he, he took Morgan Frost and said, you're not good enough. You're not playing. He, he, he's taken Cam Atkinson. You're not good enough. You're not playing. You know, Bobby Brink started out the year. Not good enough. You're not playing. Setting a standard for how your team is going to play and holding it accountable to me has to permeate through the organization. It starts at the top. It goes all the way through to the coaching and to the players. And I'm going to get into an example of where that isn't happening. But when you think about what John has done, the younger players have come in, and you say at a minimum. So the Flyers are in a position. I'm not trading Nick Sealer. I'm not trading Sean Walker. What am I going to get for those guys? A third-round pick that might help me in five years? Like, give me a break. Like, you know what? Unless somebody comes in and overwhelms me with an offer for Nick Sealer or Sean Walker, if I'm a, comp- a team, I-, I, would, I would be phoning and asking them, but wh- why aren't the Flyers looking to reinforce their team? with these yeah. guys. I don't need to sign them right now. I'll wait to the summer, you know, if, if that's what I want to do. But I'm not trading them. I'm not – you know what you tell your team if you go and trade those guys? You're basically telling them, like, really? You, you, you just traded guys that are helping us win, and then you ask us to win? Like, you can't do it. And, 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 and I'm going to go to my spot where it's at. Pierre-Luc Dubois has been terrible in L.A., Now I hear, well, the optics of sitting him out. You know what? Todd McClellan should sit him out because what he's doing is not helping the team. I don't care about optics. And you know what Rob Blake should be doing? He should be encouraging Todd McClellan to sit him out if that's what Todd wants to do. That's how good organizations run. And I love Rob Blake, and I think the LA Kings are, are, are a really good organization. But you can't let the idea of optics, because we made a big trade, and it's about getting him to play to his level of capability. Pierre-Luc Dubois is so far below that. They're not having that issue in, 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 in Philly, because he, it's supported all the way through the organization. Yeah. No, uh, it is interesting about Pierre-Luc Dubois, because he – like. I was one that everybody's like, oh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, they got all these great centers there. But I was like, well, none of them are number ones. You know, Kopitar is not a one anymore. He was for a long time, but not at this stage of his career. I don't view him as a number one. And Pierre-Luc Dubois, I felt, Craig, I think he's one of the most inconsistent, high-paid players in the game. When he's on, he can be really good. But unfortunately, he's off almost as much as he's on, and that's a concern. It's, it's a real big concern. So so what do you do? And Bruce Boudreaux, I was talking to him, and he said that, like, you try to find what's the biggest thing that motivates a player. And, and, and so if it's ice time, then you take away ice time. If it's whatever it is, they said that's to, to get him to play to his capabilities. But this idea, and, and that's what John Tortorella has, when I say coaching and teaching the players what it takes to win night in, night out. Like, all the players know that Pierre-Luc Dubois isn't, isn't pull, pulling his weight. Like, and so now you're going to say, and I'm talking about outside noise. I'm not saying Rob Blake. But you're not going to no. say, well, you can't sit him out because of the optics. <laughs> like, you know what the optics are? The players in the room are looking at him and going, you're not holding up your end of the bargain, and who's going to hold him accountable? Every player in Philadelphia knows that, that they got to hold up their end of the bargain. And I think that, you know, and I'm not saying that Todd's wanted to do that, but if it comes to that, you got to allow Todd to, to establish that as well in L.A. Because that's what good teams do. The uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, 
Craig, uh, I think everybody knows what they need as a defense. Easier said than done. Um, do you see guys that are natural fits for them? Like Chris Tanev, is is it too obvious for them? What, what You know, you look around the league. Is there anybody else you look and say, hey, I think that would be a good acquisition for the Maple Leafs back end? <laughs> I think the I think the Maple Leafs are fundamentally broken. That's what I think. I I think unless they can, uh, you know, really make some additions to their forward group, really make additions to their defense group. I, I, I I'm saying additions, not yeah. an addition. Additions. The goaltending is shaky, and the way they play is shaky. I, like Bradshaw Living's watched. I think they're a team that unless they can go and really significantly support their group, that they're not going anywhere. I'm not so sure that maybe just taking a step back might not be the best path for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think think that uh, Chrissy Hine should be coaching them because they're the pretenders in Toronto. Ooh. Ooh, I like that line. Nice. Um, Like, I... I like their forward group. I just think they got to play. Uh, they they need better. Uh, you like you don't you like you like four forwards, maybe five. You don't like anybody else. Don't try to pretend with me. Uh, Tyler well, Bertuzzi has been a disaster in there. He is out of shape. He makes well, dumb mistakes time and time again. Max Domi has four goals. The depth of their forward group is no good. Like, come on. Like, like Kelly Yarncroft gives you a good effort. Oh, I like like Yarncroft. And they're like, they got some guys. I'll say this. I would, and I've said this at the start and people go, I I had said it beforehand in the summertime, the guy I would have traded is Mitch Marner, not because I think he's terrible, because I think you can get something for him and you can take that money and spread it out over two or three. It's like Pierre-Luc Dubois and the Winnipeg Jets. That's how I view Marner. Now, Marner's better than Dubois. But I view doing that trade, I think, would help Toronto. Because even if you trade Marner, well, you still have Matthews. And you still have Nylander. And you still have other high-end offensive guys. Like John Tavares isn't elite anymore, but he's still decent. Right? So that's what I would have done in the summertime. And I, and to me, if Toronto doesn't move one of those guys, I think it's always that's going to be what, what holds them back. I could be wrong, but that's how I view it. I totally agree with you. So, and that's, so I 100% agree with you, Jason. And that's why I say I'm, I'm not looking, I'm looking longer term here with Toronto. I think that where their issues are are not about things that can be corrected at the trade deadline. Listen, yeah. the, they're one point ahead of the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Detroit Red Wings. Do we talk about Tampa and Detroit being Stanley Cup contenders? Yeah, fair point. So, why are we talking about Toronto as Stanley Cup contenders? I'm not. I don't see it. I'm not what? buying them. Lastly, what about Colorado? How concerned are you about uh, the amount of games Georgiev has played, how he's played in those games, and even the amount of chances? Like, I see some people talk a little bit about Vancouver, but I was like, Colorado gives up a lot. Consider, you know, like, what what do you make of that team? And, and like, obviously they're very good. They got high, high-end talent. But, like, what about Georgiev? Like, do you trust him come playoffs, Craig? I, like I, I, I think that the Colorado Avalanche have, have have talent. I think they went off in the in the pre in the off season, getting Miles Wood, trading for Ross Colton. You know, were really good additions. I mean, that line with Wood, Colton, and O'Connor has been a good line. We know Ranton and McKinnon, but 
he, for me, Nachushkin's back in the in the in the player assistance program. Sam Gerard just got out of it. Georgiev is an is an up and down goaltender. They've had injuries. I, I just I, I, they just feel like a team that has enough to win and just enough to lose. <laughs> I, I like like again, Jason. I'll be very clear here. I I, I could bet on Colorado. But I don't think I'm going to take money out of my own pocket to bet on him. Yeah. All right. Uh, the one thing about Domi, I know he hasn't scored, but it's actually his 5 on 5 Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My production's pretty good. I've looked at Domi's 5-on-5 production. He's not scoring any goals, but his actual points, 5-on-5, are pretty good. He's a half a point a game, playing second-line center. Top, top, maybe not second line center, but he's getting minutes. Half a point a game. If you, if that's what you want for half a point a game, then be happy. If you yeah. think that's Stanley Cup contender, go ahead. I like. I'm not buying them. <laughs> okay. Well, no, I'm not buying them either. But actually, Domi's the one guy I don't mind his production, considering like basically they they use their four forwards and Riley on almost the whole power play, right? Kind of like Edmonton. Yeah. Like I don't, Edmonton's guys, it's, you know, if we look at overall point production, you kind of got to look just at five on five because there's a lot of guys who aren't going to produce big numbers when you don't get power play time. Yeah. Let me ask you this. You know, the playoffs are about who's going to, who's going to push the pace, who's going to be a difference yeah. maker. And I don't think the Toronto Maple Leafs have enough. Well, I'll say this. Um, I thought your observation on Bertuzzi, it was interesting you mentioned that because he does, he looks a little step behind. And John Tavares is, to me, John Tavares, they need speedy wingers to play with him to be successful. I agree 100%. And, and, and again, somebody that can open up the ice for him a little bit. And yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm watching Tyler Bertuzzi play this year. He, he, he just offers very little to that team in my view. Yeah, well. Now you see maybe why Detroit was like, well, we're not too upset to get rid of him. <laughs> yep. So. And, 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 why, and, and why Boston might not have been too eager to re-sign him. And why the rest of the league might not have been too eager to sign him 
and he's on a one-year contract. Yeah, well, yeah. And there's a, another prime example. Not every guy who's a pending UFA has a great career year, Craig. We always talk about the ones who do, but I'm like, well, we can let's do the guys who are having good career years as a UFA, and then let's do the guys who aren't because it's almost even every year. There's lots of guys in the final year of a deal who don't have great years, and then uh, so that's just how it goes. Craig, yeah, well, you know, you, you, you talk about it. I mean, after the game in Edmonton the other night, Toronto, I mean – it, it was amazing. I thought Matthews was excellent in his post-game comments, but I, I, I thought that, you know, you know when, when you come out, Toronto, statistically, their two worst defensive games were against Colorado and Edmonton. Colorado last Saturday, Edmonton on Tuesday this season. And, you know, to hear players, Mitch Marner specifically, come out and talk about how great they're playing, oh, boy. Like, I mean, I think that's another problem that the Leafs have. I, I don't think I, I don't think they've gone through that reality check of <laughs> this is the what we are and, and we better come to a reality check. I, I think the Leafs and I've said this commonly, Jason, I think the Leafs talk about winning. I don't think they walk the walk. Craig, have yourself an awesome weekend. We will chat with you next Friday. Stay warm. Oh, yeah, bet. Uh, that's Craig Button from uh, TSN. It's the Jason Greger Show, live on location at the 45th Annual John Reed Memorial Tournament. And, uh, man, it's been great games. Uh, lots of barn burners here. The fans are coming out talking during the uh, the breaks. They're, they're loving the game. So I highly recommend tonight, tomorrow, and get to the finals on Sunday if you want to watch some exciting uh, U15 hockey action. Some of the best kids across the country and even from the United States. We'll come back with five questions more on the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca, live on Sports 1440, Orders Nation, YouTube, and Facebook. We roll through on a lovely Friday. How are you? Whew, can't wait for the game tomorrow night. A little extra hype in a battle of the I'm actually kind of wishing I was there. I've been down to Calgary lots for the uh, order games, and the crowd is always a little bit louder. You're up in the press box, and you can just feel it. It's like the Tuesday game for the Leafs, man. Those are more fun games to be at for anybody in the building. It's just it's a little bit more intense. Reminds me of being in Europe at the games. The fans are just on edge. It's awesome. We are live on location, Sports 1440, on the uh, second floor of uh, Service Place, just outside the uh, entrance for the uh, uh, used-to-be-go-auto announce uh, performance rink and all tonight and uh, all weekend is the uh, john reed 45th annual memorial tournament uh, it's a great tournament and uh, i highly recommend you come down now let's get to uh sank question five questions brought to you by the brick uh, where you can save up to 25 percent off of tv stands and fireplaces wall news and how about this 40 percent off of mattresses Twin King, Full Queen, you name it, they got it at the brick and the brick.com. It's time for five questions on the Jason Greger Show. All right, Greger, a question number one here for you. In the last month, which player has been the most pleasant surprise for you on the Oilers roster? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, it'd be hard to go against Stuart Skinner because his numbers are off the charts. But I guess I'm not overly shocked. I thought Stuart Skinner's a good player. I'm going to say, to me, the most pleasant surprise has been the uh, massive improvement and confidence of Vincent DeHarnay's puck handling skills and willingness to want to jump up in place and, and you know and get some shots on goal. And like he had three shots against Detroit. He had three shots uh, the other game. Like he, you know, that's his tied for a career high, and he's happened twice in the last three games. 
So I will say Vincent DeHarnay because of surprise. Yeah, I mean, I was I was thinking Stuart Skinner as well, but I'll give an honorable mention to uh, McLeod and Fogel. And Fogel's kind of been there throughout the entirety of the season, but seeing Ryan McLeod chip in offensively this last little month has been uh, a welcomed sight. Uh, hopefully it will continue on for his sake. But, yeah, the goal, the assist against the Leafs, big time. And uh, I'll go with those two for me. Uh, question number two for you. Rivalry weekend. It's it's Flames weekend. Is the Oilers in Calgary? Battle of Alberta. So if you had to look at the Oilers' current rivals, let's say one through three, what would it look like? Um. Well, I, I think Calgary's still number one. I, I it's close proximity. You face them a lot. I'm going to say Calgary. Uh, I think Vegas because there's the you know they just knocked them out of the playoffs. And then Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you with uh, Calgary 1, and I'll go Vegas 2. But I'm going to say the L.A. Kings, and it might not be quite the rivalry just because the Oilers have won. Uh, I know if you go on the other side, I think Kings fans might have the Oilers higher up there because they've been the losers of the last two series. But I like what we were starting to see with those two teams, some bad blood brewing. So I'll I'll have the Kings in there instead. Uh, Looking back at the Calgary Flames history, and, and maybe you have to put on the fan hat for this one. But if there was a most hated flame for you, who would it be? Um, well, I guess I'd have to go back to when I was a fan because the last few years there's no one. Um, so maybe it was my childhood, Neil Sheehy. Um, Neil Sheehy played the role of the pest incredibly well when you look back on it, right? He would cheap shot your star players and, and rarely, if ever... Uh, you know, have to, and back then there was lots of fighting. Guys would chase him around all the ice. So he was great for the rivalry. They all say that. It's like when I applauded Matt Kachuk and some Oilers fans got mad at me. I was like, what are you talking about? Matthew Kachuk just reignited a rivalry that was somewhat dormant. It was unreal. Neil Sheehy was the real first rat of the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, I t- I'm totally with you. I mean, Matthew Kachuk for me, I mean, he, he reignited the rivalry. He made it great once again. I had a little bit of an issue growing up with Robin Regeer. Obviously, uh, he and Hemsky had some battles in the corners. Also, Theo Fleury. Uh, that celebration of him sliding across the ice rubbed me the wrong way as a young man. Uh, question at number four. When you look at the Western Conference, Gregor, the playoff race quite competitive. Uh, any team you look at that you think they might be due for a drop-off in the second half? Well, right now, the team you're most concerned about, I think, is L.A. I, I don't think there's much question about that. Um, like they've been on a real downward spiral here as of late and like you're hearing lots of stuff they're talking they bench and do blah you know the gm has to come out and say the coach's job safe which is normally never a good thing right like how many gms have said the coach's job safe and then within three weeks (laughs) the coach isn't there anymore so to me like it's not winnipeg it's not dallas it's not colorado it's definitely not vancouver right it's not vegas is like vegas is hurt but they still beat the Rangers last night. So I'll say it's, I think, L.A. If I'm picking a team in that could, be, could, that would be them. Yeah, hard to disagree with that one for sure. What are they, 1-5-4 and four in their last 10? Uh, all the other teams in that group, the Kraken, 7-3, and three, the Flames, 7-3. and three. Uh, You mentioned the Golden Knights, 5-5, five and five, but I think they're going to find a way to hang around. Uh, they've got a nice little lead. And I, good team. I think they'll find a way to hang in that picture. So I look at the L.A. Kings as well and just wonder wonder what kind of changes they could hypothetically make if they were to uh, try to stop this because it is getting bad. And on final question for you on the hypothetical Friday, if you were sent to space and you could only take two items, what would you take? Go ahead. 
I've been thinking about this one. Uh, for me, I probably would have to bring one of those old school... And a phone is too easy, so I won't say a phone, but one of those old school iPods with the, the big memory, so I have music to keep me busy. And then also, maybe the original Game Boy. And I'd, I'd do all I could do to try to beat one of the old Pokemon games. So a Game Boy and a iPod, I'm just trying to take care of myself entertainment-wise. The rest, I think I can uh, get past. Hmm. Interesting. Music's not a bad idea. I uh, I would buy like a super duper jumbo uh, crossword puzzle. I need something that <laughs> kind of keeps my uh, the brain sharp. I like reading. I like doing that. So that would be one. And uh, now, like I'm assuming I have food on board. Yeah, so I, yeah. They're okay. gonna send you with that. Um, the dehydrated stuff. Oh yeah, great. <laughs> I will go a portable mini Galaga machine so I can play Galaga because it's kind of like I'm in space I'm living it out it's unbelievable and you need a game that's not gonna you know get old quick oh, yeah, you know like you I can, can play. play Galaga forever never like it's it's very simple I can always challenge myself um, so yeah I would uh, I would say Galaga for sure like, like I'm it. sure people listening are like, what a terrible pick. And I can understand it because I really haven't gotten into the new age games. My son, uh, we waited till he was 10 and got his PS5. So he's got a few games yet, but um, I'm terrible at them. So I, I, and that's, and that's the other thing. Anybody out there, can you recommend a game that's like, like Crash Bandicoot, something along those lines that I can play on PS5? I don't like playing the hockey. There's way too many buttons. I suck at it. Like, well, compared to my son, he's been playing it for, you know, online and stuff. So he's crushing me. Right. So I don't like it. Um, you know, we played football, same thing. It was okay. But probably because I do sports all the time, I just want to play a game where it's just like, okay, a race or something that's different. It's two or three minutes, boom, and then we play another one. So is there any recommendations? P- feel free to text in for a PS5. Like, think along the lines of, like, Crash Bandicoot, something along. Galaga is very simple one, sure. But uh, anything along those lines would be greatly appreciated. If you have any recommendations, Con, I'm open for it. I mean, I can dig into it. Uh, Ashley was clearing out the storage. She found her old original PlayStation. So, still newer compared to maybe some of the older units, but uh, I think we're going to dust that off and play some games coming up here. See, I'll see if any of those, maybe they've uh, kept them around, uh, let them linger for the well, newer you, systems. Could, you, could, a, could an old one work on a PS5? No, probably not. You'd need, an, yeah. you'd need the newer version. Just but the newer version. I'm, I mean, yeah. like, when you said Crash Bandicoot, that just came to mind. Like, that's the game I want to get back into. I remember as a kid, that was the one I always wanted to play. We never had a PlayStation. Yeah, well, I never had a PlayStation. Dude, I had a television. Like, I would love to give my... I'd love for the kids to have to use the Intellivision controller nowadays. Did you ever play Intellivision cons? No, my, my dad's friend had a system, and I as a kid, I, I couldn't figure it out. I was too young, but that was the closest I got to it. Because it had the disc in the bottom. It's like the worst way to have to move things around. It's a disc. You know, it's not like you have the little joystick. It was a disc. Then you have the buttons on the side. You would slide in certain games. You could slide into the top of the controller, so then you would know oh, if you hit this button, then it would do certain things. Like you hit the number six on a certain game, that's what it would do. So, What was the best until, game? Uh, well, I actually, my brother and I, we played a lot of baseball. 
on that game. We loved it. Um, individually, Asteroids was awesome. I love the horse racing game. Only because it was so stupid when you like I'm sure if people watch the horse racing game now, they'd be like, This is the most boring game ever. It was literally horse racing, right? And you some were four or four long, some were six, whatever, and then you had a whip. But if you whipped your horse too early, then it would die. So then you <laughs> kinda had to time it to know uh not not actually die, but just run out of steam, I should say. If any of the kids listen, we didn't kill horses in the video game. But Oh, man, I just as a kid, I loved it. So, But I, I was a big fan of Asteroids uh, on that game. Oh, no, sorry, Astro Smash. Astro okay. Smash, that's what it was. Yeah, I loved the Astro Smash. Yeah. But uh, looking, I went and played it. We, we, probably about 15 years ago, we dusted it off to play it, and I was like, this disc sucks. But as a kid, that's all you knew, so you played with it. But, yeah, it was the worst. It was the worst by far. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys, uh, you can get Crash Bandicoot on uh, Crash Bandicoot 4 on PS4. Astro Smash is the best intelligent game, by the way. See, exactly, Jeff. I totally agree with you. Was awesome. You never played Astro Smash, eh, Cons? No. Oh, man. It would have like these. So you're at the bottom of the screen, right, and there's rocks coming down. you got to shoot all the rocks. Then you have like the white beacon ones, and it's like, and it can follow you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Then it just goes faster. Oh, it's amazing. Like very simple, but amazing. Looks kind of like a similar concept to Galaga. A little where bit. Where you're at the yeah, bottom but, shooting. Yeah, but there wasn't a lot of the bonus. Like, you know, in Galaga, every few, uh, you, like, you go level one, two, and then you get your extra attacker. You never got two shooters in Astro Smash. So. Hey, guys. Uh, Fortnite, uh, Spider-Man, Ratchet, and Clank. Best racing-wise are uh, F1 Need for Speed from Ben. All right. Hey, Gregor, I got the Intellivision add-on. They had B-52 Bomber in the Tron game. They were both awesome. I really did like the uh, Ski and Football Dragons uh, dragons Lock and uh, lock and ch- oh, lock and Chase from Burger Time. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about that game. Lock and Chase, cons. It was like, you know, it was like you're a policeman and the robber. So simple of graphics, yet so awesome at the time. I'm sure, like any of those games now, if you show to people, you're like, what? But you got to remember, like, this was 1980s, man. I was a young buck at 12. It was awesome. So, Walking Chase kind of looks like Pac-Man. Yeah. Is it chasing it around a maze? Like, I, I'm just looking at pictures here. Who yeah, knows what, if it's the right no, game? No, it's, it's, it's a little bit, but, yeah, not the same. Yeah, because there was different. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not a bad comparison, I guess. Hey, boys, it's a sad day when the kid beat me in Tetris. <laughs> Touche. Uh, let's uh, quick. Now, I don't even like Specs so old. I don't even know if they had video games when he was a kid. But uh, we'll find out. Him and Low Tide. Man, Low Tide's video games were like outside with big rocks. It was fun. Uh, let's get to uh, Connor Halley. <laughs> and a sports 1440 update brought to you by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize. Or you can download the Booster Rewards app and earn, order, and enjoy right now today at Booster Juice. Here's Connor Halley. 